Well, if God's been good to you, say amen this morning. What a wonderful, wonderful time of worship today. If you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to sit down and open it up with me to Psalm 1. Thank you, worship team. Uh, I, I was I sang so much both services that we're just going to see if I can get through this message, okay? So if not, Lathaniel, you got to come up and finish the message, all right? No response. All right. Uh, <laughs> I think that was a no. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> well, uh, a couple of things. First of all, I just want to thank you all for being so nice and consoling me in my time of a great loss. As last night, the Cowboys were eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, so I'll try to see who that was back there so I can write that down. That's Keaton. Okay. Let's add him to my prayer list. Uh, I shaved last night out of just grief. This was a playoff beard, so I just was like sad, tears streaming down my face. And uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, one thing that's actually that's seriously important uh, on the 23rd. So that is not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, we will have our annual meeting. It's a really a celebration of what God has done and what He is doing in our church family. So Crossroad members, if you are a Crossroad member, when we are done with the service back there at the Connect counter, you will find. Um, not only the proposed budget for 2019, but also our proposed deacon candidates for you to look over and be praying through. So Crossroad members, be sure you head back to the Connect counter before you leave today, okay? Uh, with all of that said, I'm super excited about this message because we are starting a new series called Life Hacks. And what we're talking about are biblical solutions for life's biggest problems. We all encounter difficult times and difficult things in this life, but the Bible really speaks into far more of those things than we would oftentimes understand or acknowledge. There, we tend to divide our lives up into sacred and secular, right? So there's like Jesus stuff and then there's just stuff. But the reality is that Jesus wants to speak into every single area of our lives. So we're going to talk about a lot of those things over the next few weeks. But I understand that from the onset, many of you, the first question would be, what is a life hack? Okay. Now, I know that I'm talking to multi-generational group here, so uh, some of you may understand what that is. Some of you have never heard of this, and I would tell you to Google it, but some of you don't know what Google is, and I can't help you at that point, right? We're just out. But the idea of a life hack is essentially using everyday, ordinary things around you to make your life simpler. In fact, let me read you an actual definition. A life hack is a strategy or technique adopted in order to manage one's time and daily activities in a more efficient way. So think hacking like hacking a computer. Obviously, you are manipulating the software and the machine to be able to make it easier to do whatever it is you're trying to get it to do. In the same way, a life hack and the idea of a life hack on social media is taking everyday ordinary objects and kind of using them to make your life simpler. So uh, if you didn't understand any of that, let me just show you a few pictures of some ideas of what a life hack is. Here's this first picture. Oh, this is a good one. I have little kids. Anybody in here got kids, right? Uh, what happens when you give them a popsicle? It's everywhere. Like not because they don't eat it fast enough. Let me just tell you, melting ice cream or melting sugary things is never a problem for me. Okay, I take it out before it melts. But my kids, for wanting ice cream and such so bad, they just sit there and it just melts and it get, like they're combing their hair with it. I'm like, what are you doing? So this is a little solution. Take a muffin tin or a cupcake holder thing, pop it up on there. It's all going to catch all of it. Hey, you can even drink it when you're done, right? I, I don't know. So uh, that's a good idea. Let's go to the next one. Oh, this is good. Some of you need this, okay? Some of you need this. 
Okay, so do you, does anybody have a section of chords that are just like way too many? I've had people who say, Rusty, can you come help me with this? And uh, inevitably, when you're trying to work on something, well, maybe if we unplug it. And then you look and there's like 75 plugs in like, like, what are we supposed to do? Which one is the actual plug? We don't even know. So you take these things. Now, just another simpler life hack. Apparently, you can put these things back on the bag of bread. Uh, my wife's been trying to get me into that life hack for a long time. It never works, though. Uh, but you could. OK, some of you struggle with that, too. All right. But just take those and label your chords. That's a genius idea. Let's go to the next one. Oh, this is great. This is great. In fact, somebody in the first service, I literally broke their chip clip this week. So I'm just going to find a hanger and bring it to them. Look, instant chip clips. Hey, hey, everybody, you need to understand what's happening here. You're not going to get this anywhere else in Wichita this morning, okay? We just have 30 minutes of this, all right? That's what this series is, okay? I actually do think there's, is there one more? Let's see what we got. Oh yeah, this is the last one. This is actually good. You know your keyboard is, is disgusting. You may not know that, but it is. If you want to find out, take a post-it note, use the sticky part, stick it in there, and you will be shocked at what comes out of there. Lots of crazy stuff. So this is what a life hack is on social media, really just kind of simple little goofy things like that. So now that I've kind of introed the series this way, let me just kind of undermine everything I've just done, all right? It's a real good uh, public speaking tactic. There are no shortcuts to the Christian life. You need to understand that. There are no shortcuts to the Christian life. There aren't really life hacks in the sense that we're looking at here. But what I want us to do over the next few weeks is just look at the idea that God wants to speak into our lives. And life would be much more simple if we would get back to the basics. If we would go back to looking at our struggles and the things we walk through, through the lens of the Bible and what God has for us. And there are solutions to life's biggest problems. And I believe that those solutions are actually in the everyday things around us that we would often disregard. But it's not bread clips and hangers. Rather, it is God's presence and his truth that abounds in our lives. And we can take God's truth and his presence and apply them to all these different areas of our lives that tend to be struggles for us. So I believe God is going to do a really cool work in us over the next few weeks. But today is really foundational for what's going to happen throughout the next three or four weeks. So really lean in close and listen to what God has for us today. So we're going to start here in Psalm 1. Are you ready to go? All right. Three of you. Cool. All right. Let's read Psalm 1 and then pray and ask the Lord to help us. The word of God says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Will you pray with me? Lord, help us this morning as we look at your truth today. God, we we all at times feel disconnected from you. And Lord, we know that that's probably because we live in a world full of distractions. And it's so easy to focus on so many other things. But, Lord, I pray that you would help us to focus 
on you today. Lord, particularly in this time that we open your word, give us a Holy Spirit-enabled focus. But Lord, we're asking that as we focus in this time that you would lead to this connection to you that, that goes way beyond what happens here. So Lord, speak to us today. We are listening. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, I know that one of the most dangerous and critical disaster type scenarios that can happen in my home is when the internet goes down. Have you been in this situation? Listen, it gets tough because what happens is Mallory and I have to, you know, instead of just looking at our phones, have to like talk to each other and stuff like that and hang out. It gets really, really difficult, y'all. I don't know about you, but we've become so connected through the Internet that when you don't have it, all of a sudden it's crazy. And I know even here at the office, we were here working the other day, and Pastor Nathaniel was like, uh, Internet's down, is you, and like we're working, trying to get it back going, and because it's like everything stops if the Internet's not going, and we don't have that connection. We live in a world that really today runs on that connection to each other, through work, even personally connecting. Uh, as someone now who, you know, we, we live kind of away from a lot of our family and friends, so we are still very connected, but it's through those things. So we live in a world that thrives and is constantly pushing connection. Yet in an instant, sometimes that connection feels like it's gone. Can I just tell you that sometimes, spiritually, I feel disconnected. There are times in my life where it feels like I'm disconnected from God. So I'm praying and I'm praying and I'm trying to do the right things, yet I just feel like God is distant. And as a pastor, I talk to people on a regular basis who feel the same way. Who say, it just feels like God is distant. It doesn't feel like His presence is in my life. I'm just missing something. And people say that, and I know that feeling because I've been there so many times. That's a big problem that many of us face in our lives. And let me just tell you, if you're not there now, chances are you've been there or you're headed there. So what can we do in this situation? How can we get connected and stay connected to God? That's the first life hack of this series is that we need to get connected and stay connected to God. Because if we're not, then we're not going to make it. I know for me, when I find myself in that situation, when I'm feeling disconnected, because I'm a pastor, I know all the troubleshooting steps, right? Maybe I need to listen to some sermons, so I hop on and get some podcasts downloaded. Or maybe I need some new songs, some inspiring music. Or maybe I just need the right conversation with the right person. And I'm looking all over the place for something that will reconnect me to God. But there are times where it feels like none of that works. So how can we as the people of God get connected and stay connected to Him? That's what this psalm is really all about here. I think as we think of life hacks and think of real problems that we encounter in our lives, today it's important that we start here. It's important that we establish the source of truth and authority in our lives because only then can we talk about these other issues that we're going to talk about in this series I believe the psalm that we just read is absolutely foundational to the Christian life. I think it's very interesting that the Holy Spirit led Psalm 1 to be where it is in the beginning of Psalms. Many people, if they pick up the Bible for the first time, where do they inevitably end up? Psalms. And the first thing they read is Psalm 1. I don't know about you, but for me, when I've been out of the Word of God for a while and want to kind of jump back in, one of the places I often go is to the book of Psalms. 
And here we are in Psalm 1, and it's going to right out of the gate say, if you need truth in your life, if you want to be connected to Jesus, it starts with having the right source of truth. So the first big thing you need to hear this morning is this. The source of truth in your life matters. The source of truth in your life matters. Who are your sources? Who is it that informs the way you make decisions? Who or what is it that shapes the way you live your life, the way you view yourself, the way you view others in the world around you? This text is going to paint a a picture of a sharp contrast between those who Listen to the world, those who listen to the wicked, those who listen to the wrong sources, and those who find their joy, their hope, their life, and their foundation in the Word of God. So we see the blessed person is the one who doesn't listen to the wrong people, but instead has a foundation and they are rooted in God's Word. But the wicked, those who listen to the wrong people, are like the chaff that the wind drives away. A very modern way to say that is they're like the plastic bag going down the side of the road. Every car that drives by whips it in a whole different direction. Have you ever felt like that in your life? The source of truth in your life matters. So the question becomes, how do we live a blessed life? How do we get connected and stay connected to the Lord? The text here is going to use the idea of a tree planted by a stream of water. A tree that's planted by the water so its roots are constantly able to get the water and the nutrients that it needs to not only survive, but to thrive. It's a tree that bears fruit in its season. When the right time comes, it's ready, it stays healthy and whole. So if we're going to get connected and stay connected to Jesus, if we're going to plant our lives in His truth, We need to let our roots sink down deep. We need to plant our lives in Christ. We need to be rooted in Christ, to use the same language as this text. And that's where we need to talk for just a second, because that sounds really good and Christian-y, doesn't it? Just, Just let your roots sink down deep into the things of Christ. Stay connected to Jesus. Pastor Nathaniel could write a couple awesome hit songs about that, and we're rocking along. We're all like, Amen. But what does that actually look like? How can we get connected and stay connected to Jesus? What does that look like on a day-to-day basis? What I want us to do is look at three very basic principles that will help us as we start this journey of this series, Life Hacks, to get connected and stay connected to Jesus. These aren't in order of least to greatest or greatest to least. These are just three overarching basic principles that we need to consider today. The first thing is this, if we're going to get connected and stay connected to Jesus, we need to commit to corporate worship. Commit to corporate worship. What is corporate worship? That sounds businessy. No, corporate means that we are all here together. Corporate worship, that we as the people of God come together to worship. When we gather together as the body of Christ, an amazing thing happens. We are literally built up together. Individually, yes, but also corporately as a family. You and I need each other. Church, there's a reason that I don't just record messages and email them to you. Okay? Now, some of you are like, that actually would be a pretty good idea, Rusty. Uh, Get on that. We'd have to figure out a way for you to tithe still, but I will work on it. No, I'm kidding. That's not how it works. There's a reason we don't do this. Let me just tell you, we're very thankful for our live feed. We're thankful that those who are 
uh, sick and those maybe who are separated from us for a time are able to get connected and join in that way. But can I tell you something? This is not trendy today. This isn't a popular thing uh, for me to say this, but the reality is the church, the word ekklesia, which is the Greek word that we get church from, literally means gathering or assembly. One thing you will never see here at Crossroad is an internet campus. Because that is not a church. You can watch sermons, you can get information, those things may be helpful, but that is not a church. If we're not gathering together, we're not a church. So the point of us coming together, though, is not just to hang out. So we don't just gather together. So, okay, well, anything's church. We just need to hang out. No, but when we come here and gather around the purpose of worshiping and lifting up the name of Jesus, when we're setting aside our normal everyday lives to come together to glorify and praise our Lord and Savior, we are learning from Him together. This is why the Bible places such a high priority on the gathering of believers for worship. We're just rooted individually, but we are rooted in Christ together. I've always been amazed by the redwood trees in California. I've never seen them in person, but I've obsessed over pictures. And if you ever go on vacation there, send me your pictures. They are about 350 feet high. That's really high. But their roots only go about five to six feet into the ground. Now, I'm not a science guy, but that doesn't seem like that should work, all right? Like, I don't know physics, and in the first service I said I'm not a physician. So, uh, <laughs> obviously, I'm. <laughs> so that answers itself. But that doesn't seem like it should work, right? Only five to six feet in the ground. How do they not fall over all the time? Here's why. Redwood trees thrive, and they grow in community. In what they call groves. So their roots are growing wide and they intertwine together. In fact, sometimes they're literally fused together and they are all holding on together. So they become a big, beautiful forest. And when storms come, when the winds come, they don't fall because they are standing tall together. Listen, you and I as the people of God need to come together so we can let our roots grow down deep. But in the same way... Both of these things are happening. We're growing deeper as we study God's Word. There's nothing special about my teaching, my preaching, but what you know is happening here, whether it's me, Pastor Bob, or anybody else preaching in this pulpit, what you know is this, is that we have went before the Lord and said, God, what would you have us share with your people? When you walk through those doors, you can rest assured that you are hearing a message that is for you. Because God has a message for his church. So when we come, we are growing in our knowledge and love of Jesus. Our roots are getting deep, but we're also studying together. And in this way, our roots are intertwining and even fusing together in such a way that big things happen. This is the heart of what we see in Hebrews chapter 10. There's a verse in Hebrews 10 that usually you've, you, you've heard used to beat you over the head for not coming to church, right? It says, uh, let us not forsake the gathering, as is the habit of some. I don't know why. That's, <laughs> that's, that's kind of how it's always been used, but that's not the heart. Let me read you this passage starting in verse 24. Here's what the Bible says. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you see both aspects, this deep and wide that's happening here? We don't come to church to earn God's favor, like I need some God bucks, so I better show up to church a few times. We don't come to church because if I don't, then Pastor Rusty's going to notice, and that's just going to get weird. We better go so he's not upset. No, that's not why we come to church. We come because as we come together as the people of God, we are literally stirring each other up to love and good works. We are growing deeper in our knowledge and love for Jesus, yet we are also growing wide and stronger together so that we can do more for the kingdom of God. So we can reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. If we're going to get connected and stay connected to Jesus, we need a commitment to corporate worship. It's hard to do in our world, church, because there's so many other things going on. But can I tell you, the commitment to be a part of the family of God is going to be a greater blessing than all these other commitments that the world would try to sell us. Let's make a commitment to corporate worship. The second way we can stay rooted in Christ is by staying committed to God's word, committing to God's word. Psalm 1 is going to speak so directly into this truth. The rooted or blessed person is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Now, notice what this doesn't say. It doesn't say, blessed is the person who reads the law of the Lord. Blessed is the person who knows. Blessed is the person who teaches. Blessed is the person who understands. No, it said, blessed is the person who delights in the law of the Lord. No doubt those other things are important, but did you know it's possible to just read God's word without even trying to understand what it means for your life? Did you know some of the leading biblical scholars of our day aren't even Christ followers? They would claim to be atheists or agnostics. But for the Christ follower, we read God's word, again, not to try to make God happy with us, not to try to make everybody think we're holier than thou, but we read God's word because when we know we're reading it, that God himself is speaking to us. That every single word in the Bible, all scripture is breathed out by God. If you want the presence of God in your life, open your Bibles. And God speaks to us. And we delight in hearing his voice and responding to it. Psalm 1 says that we meditate on it day and night. Is is this your life today? Do you meditate on the word of God day and night? You read in the book of Psalms that there's times where David's just like laying in his bed, thinking about the Lord, reading his Bible. And I'm like, man, I don't know that this happens in my life. The Bible doesn't consume me like it should. I ought to be thinking about the word of God constantly and applying it to my mind and my heart all the time. Do we meditate on the word of God? I think one of the great tragedies of the American church is that we're so ignorant of the Bible today. Perhaps more than ever, we have a ridiculous amount of resources. We've got so many translations that are helpful and easy to understand. uh, Resources that study materials for the Bible. I've said this before, but my grandfather's generation, his pastors, everything that they use to study and be faithful in ministry is free to you and me with just a Google search. All of those resources, we have been so blessed. And I truly believe, church, that we will one day be held accountable to God for how we have stewarded the wonderful blessing of God's word and the resources available to us to understand and grow in our knowledge of him. 
Yet American Christians don't know their Bibles very well. The truth is, I think we delight in the idea of God's word more than we actually delight in God's word. The American Bible Society found in a recent poll that the majority of Americans believe that the Bible is inspired and that its principles should exert more influence on public life. That's actually good news, isn't it? The majority of Americans say the Bible's inspired and we should form our life in this country around that. Hey, praise God. The same research found out that 88% of households in America own a Bible. That's good news. But here's the tragic statistic. Only one in seven adults read the Bible every day. We like the idea of the Bible more than we like the Bible. Statistically speaking, this is red meat for you as a church. You love this mess. Yeah, amen. We need to read our Bibles. Yeah, it's a great idea. Yeah, praise God. Man, he preached a good sermon today. Or maybe, eh, it was okay. Nobody's going to say, Rusty, you don't need to be preaching about reading the Bible. We all agree with this, but here's the reality. Only one in seven of us, statistically speaking, are actually reading it every day. We like the idea of the Bible more than we like the Bible. Here's the weird thing about commitment. It takes work to delight in God's word. It takes work to delight in God's word. Now, that's kind of an oxymoron for us because we don't usually associate work with delight. Okay, those are usually polar opposites. I'm glad none of my staff amen. I was just kind of holding my breath here. Right. We don't usually associate these things. But the reality is for us. That when we intentionally dig into the word of God, that it eventually becomes a source of delight. When we talk about spiritual disciplines, the fact is it requires discipline. And that's something that we all struggle with. Have you ever heard somebody talk about their love for working out? Right? People will say, I just love to run. I just love it. And in my flesh, I'm like, you are a liar. But here's the thing, I've been trying to get a little healthier, I've been trying to work out a little bit, walking some and lifting weights occasionally, just trying to get in a little bit better shape. And let me just tell you, I haven't enjoyed it when I'm doing it. Let me just qualify it that way. I haven't been like, yes to the glory of God, 1001, like that hasn't happened, okay? But I will tell you this, I've noticed that when life happens and I miss a few days, I do actually miss it. Not that I miss the activity itself, but, but here's the thing. When I've been walking and exercising, I, I've slept better. My clothes fit a little bit looser. I, I just feel better. I, I have more energy. I've seen the results. So when I start missing it, those results, I'm like, man, I need to get back and do this. Now, for some of you in here, can I just tell you that reading the Bible consistently might feel as awkward as somebody who hasn't been working out trying to go out and run a mile right now. It may be overwhelming and it it might be something that is difficult for you. But let me just tell you, if you will make a commitment to read the word of God, I promise you, you will hear God's voice. You will feel him leading, guiding and directing you in your life. And you will see results. You'll see results and you will feel the change. I want to challenge you. To spend meaningful time in God's Word daily. 
Now, I intentionally use this phrase, meaningful time. That is broad for a reason. Because in this room right now, we have multiple reading levels represented. We have multiple, some of you like bust through multiple books and novels a week. Some of you don't read anything other than your social media scroll. But the reality is, each of us can commit to spend meaningful time in the Word of God. Some of you, that might be five or ten chapters a day. Some of you, that might be one or two chapters a day. But I want to encourage you to spend meaningful time in the Word of God. Did you know that reading five chapters a day puts you on pace to read through the Bible in a year? And that's a good goal to shoot for. Now, again, some of you may need to say, I'm going to read a couple chapters a day, and it's going to take you a couple years. But still, make a commitment to read through the Word of God. In years past, I've received some pushback when I talk about reading more of God's Word. People will say, well, you know, I can't really dig deep into a passage when I'm reading that much. I'm just one of those who likes to dig deep, Pastor Rusty. So I can't really read a broad range of scripture. I just focus on a little bit and really get in. And and let me just tell you, yes and amen to that. But can I encourage you that this is a both and proposition? That you can read the word of God widely. That you can read a couple of chapters a day or five chapters or ten chapters. Whatever your reading level and ability is. Read a broad amount of scripture. Try to work through the entire Bible on a regular basis. Whatever that time interval that's comfortable for you is. Read for 10 or 15 minutes. For me, at a slow to moderate reading pace, I can get through that five chapters usually in about 15 minutes. And then go back and dive into a a small section for 15 minutes and think about it and study on it. You can do both of these things. So you say, well, I just don't really have time. Can I just tell you, you have time to do the things you want to do. And and I'm not going to shame you about this. Can I just tell you, you don't need to feel guilty if you're not reading the Bible today. Do you know what you should feel today is hungry. To desire more of God, and you will find more of God when you get in His Word. We don't read God's Word to make Him happy with us. God loves you right now more than He will ever, ever, ever love you. That will not change based on how much you read in the Bible. But can I tell you something? Your life will change because as you dig into the Word of God, you're going to realize how much He loves you. I want to encourage you to commit to spending meaningful time in the Word of God. Why do I want to encourage you to read broadly in the Bible? Because if you just kind of pick and choose where you're going to read, you're going to read the same things over and over again. Can I just tell you, I'm a pastor, and I have certain sections of the Bible that I'm way more comfortable with because I already feel good about my life in those areas. (laughs) Okay, some of you haven't done this. Have you ever read a section of the Bible and you're like, nope, moving on. See, you, you can't, I mean, I guess you could just leave, but I mean, that's the thing about preaching, right? <laughs> that's why, that's why sometimes you need preaching in your life, because if it's up to you, you're like, nope, turn in the page. But when you read the Word of God, it's going to challenge and change you, and when you have a plan to systematically read through the Bible, you're going to learn from the whole counsel of Scripture, and you need that in your life. So I want to encourage you today, pick a plan. Pick a plan. Again, I'm not going to be legalistic about this. There are plans that will take you through the Bible in a year. There are plans that probably you even stretch that out longer. I want to recommend to you if you're a tech person, you know, you got the app on your phone, the Bible app. It's called YouVersion. There are tons of great reading plans on there that can help you get started. They'll even send you a reminder and say, don't forget to read your Bible today. It's good stuff. 
I want you to commit to pick a plan and be intentional about reading God's word. Not because we need to read it, but because the goal is, as the text says, to delight in the word of God. Find your joy in his word. Get connected and stay connected to Jesus by getting into the word. The last commitment we need to make is a commitment to prayer. Are you okay this morning? Y'all doing good still? All right. This, this is so simple that it's actually a little bit more convicting. Do you, do you feel that? I feel that at least. You may not. I think sometimes when a, a message is a little more theological, we're like, hmm. And we leave and we feel a little bit smarter. And those are good things. But messages like this, these are three very basic things. I said in the first service, no one's going to leave today and say, I think that guy went to seminary. It's pretty basic. But what would happen in your life if we actually ran these plays? What would happen in your life if you actually made these commitments? So we need to be committed to gathering together for worship. We need to be committed to the word. And finally, we need to be committed to prayer. Prayer and God's word go hand in hand. If you're not praying and reading the word of God, let me just tell you the answers you're looking for will not be found in sermons, songs, or books. God can use all those things. But listen, church, you need his power and presence. And the place we find his power and presence is in communing with him by talking to him in prayer and by listening to him through his word. In the Gospels, Jesus models a radical dependence on his heavenly father. He intentionally wakes up early to beat up his distractions. He gets up before they are. He goes and he spends times time with the Lord. Sometimes he stays up all night to have some distraction-free time. He leaves crowds. It's always one of the most astounding things. Like the disciples will find Jesus and they'll be like, where you been, bro? Like everyone's looking for you. And Jesus is like, I had to spend time with my father. If Jesus had to do that, friends, what makes us think we don't need that? If the Son of God, who is actually God himself, needed to remove himself from the ordinary to connect to the extraordinary Heavenly Father who is available to us, what makes you and I think we don't need that? You and I need to make this a priority in our lives. And I really believe, again, the only way to actually do this is by literally setting aside a part of your day. You might have to wake up earlier or stay up a little later, maybe squeeze this into your lunch. But this needs to be as non-negotiable as anything else in your schedule. Can I just level with you today? This is a difficult thing to do. It's difficult. Because prayer is a mysterious thing. Prayer is something that we don't see a lot of instruction about in the Bible. Never will you find a passage that says, okay, prayer 101, here's what you need to do. No, in fact, the closest thing we have to that is when the disciples said, Jesus, teach us to pray. And Jesus gives them 37 words. He'd be the worst prayer conference speaker ever. But the disciples see him praying, and we see in the Gospel of Luke, there's really not anything that the disciples say, hey, how'd you do that? Jesus has been healing people. You know, he's making, you know, uh, feeding 5,000 people with a happy meal. I mean, all this is happening like crazy. They never stop and ask any questions. But when he gets up after praying, they say, show us how to do that. And Jesus just says, you basically just talk to God. 
We don't see a lot of instruction on prayer in the Bible, but can I tell you what we see? We see a lot of invitation to pray. Call to me and I will answer. Don't be anxious about anything, but instead pray about everything. We have a God who invites us to communicate with Him, but it's so difficult. If you're here and you don't have a church background, can I tell you that prayer seems difficult, but here's what it is. Just communicating and sharing your heart with God. That's what prayer is. I would just encourage you to maybe try by just setting a section of time in your life apart. Maybe ten minutes. Can I tell you, I remember times in my life, and this still happens to me now, where I will set aside some time to pray. I say, okay, i got a ten-minute window. I'm just going to really seek the Lord. And I mean, I am just praying heaven down, you know. I'm praying about everything in my life. I start praying for every person I know. I'm praying for random houses in this zip code. I'm just praying, Lord, do something in my life. Do something in this church. I'm praying for the future of my children. And I pray everything I can pray. I've dumped my heart out before the Lord. And I look at my clock and I've been praying for three minutes. Have you been there? It's like, oh, man. But can I tell you from experience in my life, and I'm not here today. I just got to be honest with you. I need to get back here. I'm still in like the three-minute range right now. (laughs) But there are times in my life where that ten minutes of just trying to pour out my heart to the Lord slowly grew. I promise you this will change your life if you will spend time talking to Jesus and sharing your heart with Him on a daily basis. I want to just remind you this morning, church, of what a gift this is for us. That we have the presence of Jesus in our lives. He is not a Savior who is far away. He is near us. In fact, the Bible says that if you're a Christ follower, He is in us. Yet the sad reality is the majority of us, even professing Christians, neglect the greatest gift that we have ever been given. Regardless of what you think about politics and regardless of which party would be in office, let me just tell you something. If the President of the United States called me and said, Hey, Rusty, because we probably would be on first name basis. Hey, Rusty, I I need you to come meet with me. Can I tell you something? There are very few things that are going to make that appointment not happen. I'm going, because what an honor that is. I mean, the President of the United States has called and wants to talk to me, so I'm going to go, and I'm going to give him all of my expert advice. i got a lot of it. I'm just waiting on that call. It just hasn't happened yet. But nothing would really get in the way of that. I would make that happen. But here's what's crazy. The King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, the creator of the universe, the one who the Bible says is sustaining and holding together the entire universe by the word of his immovable power, an almighty sovereign God invites us to share our hearts with him. Yet so many of us neglect and fail to even accept that invitation. We are missing out on a wonderful, wonderful opportunity and the blessing and privilege of our inheritance as sons and daughters of the King. I think of the old hymn that says, What a friend we have in Jesus, all our needs and griefs to bear. What a privilege 
to carry everything to God in prayer. And I think about this last stanza. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. What could God do in our lives if we were a people who realized who we are in Christ and realized that He really wants to have a real relationship with us? Do you realize, Crossroad, that Jesus could actually use us to reach, teach, live, and love like Him? That He could actually use us to reach this city for Christ? That He could actually make us family. That He could let our roots grow down deep and wide together so that we could stand strong in a world that needs Christ followers to stand strong. We could be that shining city on a hill in a world that is full of darkness today. If we would just recognize and live in the relationship Jesus wants to have with us. I promise you that Jesus will do an incredible work in your life this year and beyond, individually and as a church family, if we would just start walking with Him. If we would commit to gathering together, if we would commit to digging in His Word and delighting in it, and if we would commit to prayer, I believe that Jesus stands ready to change our lives and change our community through His Gospel. Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. I pray that you would help us as your people to make this commitment. Ultimately, we know that all of this flows out of our relationship with you. And God, I ask that you would help us this morning as your people to renew our commitment primarily to you. And that these results would flow out of that commitment, Lord. That we would be committed to gathering together as your people. Because we know you do incredible things here when we come together as your people. Lord, that you would help us to be committed to your word so we can hear your voice fresh in our lives daily. Lord, that we would be able to offer our hearts up to you in prayer on a regular basis. Lord, you're so good to us. Who are we that you would use us as a part of your plan? Yet here we are. By your grace, may we become the people you want us to be. May we reach, teach, live, and love like you.